Which is a better question format? The Who Wants to Be a Millionaire multiple choice or the Jeopardy answer? Oh, Jeopardy for sure. No, Jeopardy's way, way, way better. It's the purest game show. Well, second to the six LeBron's created. Those are the top six. And then Jeopardy. <laughs> the Plinko ripoff? <laughs> yeah. What was it called? The Wall. The, the wall. wall. Oh, my God. Ripoff, schmipoff. I think he came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> of course you think that, Nick. Uh, no, I like that. <laughs> Before we start, let me get take a quick drink of this Lobos tequila, and then we can get going, guys. Ah, <laughs> look at you. Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstrow. That's Amin Al-Hassan from the Levitard Show and Sirius XM NBA Radio. Today's guest is Nick Wright, someone who I've been following for a while, admiring for even longer. The fact that you ascended to Fox Sports 1 as like the talking head over there. I know you got other names over there, but no one dominates the social media space. Then Nick Wright pops into my Twitter like more than anybody. People yelling at me. It's usually people yelling at me. Thank you, Tom. Amin and I have met in person at an NBA Finals and in L.A. Yeah, we went to lunch in L.A. Tom, I've been an admirer from afar for quite some time, whether it was when you were at ESPN or when I guess you're working for NBC. I don't know what it was. I just know I'd be watching the league pass and be like, hey, Tom's at the Charlotte game. And then the next night I'd be watching the league pass. I'm like, hey, Tom, what? how does he do all these different teams? But really, obviously, appreciate your work and the the way you guys have helped kind of elevate the discourse and understanding of what I think is the greatest sport in the world, as much as I love the NFL, the NBA. And I'm glad to, to thank you for inviting me on. Glad to join you guys. Did Amin pick up the check or how did that work? I don't remember. I don't remember who paid. I know it was Mike Ryan was there, yeah. but that was before Mike Ryan had millions of dollars from DraftKings. So <laughs> I don't think Mike paid. It was in LA. So I might've paid because like I was, I was meeting, I was kind of an add on and I was living in LA at the time. I'm not certain. We might have just walked out on it, to be honest. I can't I can't remember. No, think about it, because I was traveling, and so I got per diem. So usually I get a lot more generous on the road. Oh, oh, yeah. So maybe that's... The mouse might have picked up the tab. I might have said, oh, yeah, I had an important uh, meeting with anonymous source. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's good. I think I R-E-L. gave you good info. James. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I remember watching you on Cowherd stuff and being like, this guy I haven't seen as a reporter, like a, a writer or anything, he just seems like he just came up through the radio pipeline or the TV pipe. I didn't even know where, if you've been a writer first or second. And then I find out you're on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire before all of this happened. That's correct. A few months out of college, uh, qualified for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. It was an insane process. I got home from working my radio shift, which was not an on-the-air shift. I was, I was board-opping Jim Rome show but like Jim Rome show, not his actual show, just the syndicated one that was sent into Kansas City. I got home and my roommate was watching some daytime television. And on the bottom line, like a sports ticker, was a scroll that said, who wants to be a millionaire auditions end at 5 p.m. today at this car dealership in South Kansas City. And I was like, I'm going. I don't know if you're coming with me, but I'm leaving right now. And I went in and they gave you a, a whole group of 30 question tests. There was like 90 of us. After they, they grade the test, like 15 of us did well enough on it. And then they, they had like, you know, a half dozen or so people 
each interview would just one-on-one interviews for like 90 seconds, I guess, just to make sure like we would be decent television. And I was just like, I'm just going to sell them. I'm a talk show host. Even though at the time I hosted Saturdays for three hours was it. It's like, I'm a talk show host. I make people laugh for a living. Like that's what I do. And they're like, all right, you're now officially in the contestant pool. You might get called next week. You might get called in a year and a half. If you don't get called within two years, you can re-enter. And they called me the next day and said, can you be in New York City in three weeks? And I said, yes. And I got to $50,000. And then there was a question of which planet's majority of its moons were named after Shakespearean characters. And I was out of lifelines and I walked. Io. You know it? Yeah, man. It's Saturn. That is incorrect. You oh! have gone down. What was it? Uranus. Is the correct answer. Uh, what's funny is I actually knew, it, you know, I left out an important part of the clue for Amin in his defense. It was which planet's majority of its 17 moons are named after Shakespearean characters. And Saturn was one of the options, but I knew it wasn't Saturn because Saturn's got way more moons than 17 because of those rings. And so I was like, all right, it's now one in three. So I've got it narrowed down to one in three. If I got it wrong, I would only go down to 25. If I got it right, I'd go up to 100. So I'm, I'm getting exactly two to one on my money on a, you know, a two to one bet. Right. And even though I'm a gambler, I walked. It's good because I was going to guess Neptune and I was going to be wrong. Ultimately, it wouldn't have mattered. Because I blew all the money within nine months anyway with no possessions to show for it. I was 22 years old living in a city with six casinos doing night radio. No. You went from who wants to be a billionaire straight to like the riverboats? Oh, of course. (laughs) Actually, they send you the full check for 50 grand. And I've told this this to Levitard. um, And you're responsible for the taxes or whatever. Two days after I got the check, my buddy, Danny Parkins, who's a great radio host in Chicago, uh, who you guys might have come across, he, it was his 21st birthday, and we were already at a planned trip to Vegas. So I took five grand of the 50 cash with me to Vegas and spun that up to 23. So I was 22 years old with 73,000 cash in my pocket. And within a, by Danny's 22nd birthday, I had a big screen television and none of the money left. But hey, you live and you learn. You had the the foresight and the sound probability to just be like, I'm going to walk instead of, yeah, I'm going to walk from who wants to be a millionaire. Yep, and then blow, yeah. But that same sensibility doesn't transfer over into the- Nah, man. I like the idea that 72 grand up, 71 blown, I'm assuming gambling, and then the one grand for the TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, to be fair, it wasn't all blown gambling. I was in my 20s, early, early 20s. It was about a, 18 months before I met my now wife. I was single. And the way, listen, Kansas City doesn't exactly have a bustling nightlife, but there's a- Power light district. Yeah, there's enough of one. And so like the nights that I won, I would be you know, generous with my money to the you know, local entertainers. And the nights that I lost, I'd just go home. And that such is life. You know, listen, man, this this is how things go. Were you always planning to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Like when you were growing up, I, I think we're about the same age. Were, were you like watching Regis being like, I'm going to be a millionaire on this show? Yes. I always wanted to be on Jeopardy. And I always played Jeopardy 
like you played it you know what i mean played along and then millionaire came out but millionaire is- i love that there's a shorthand for this i mean did you ever call it millionaire yeah that's everyone everyone called it millionaire. <laughs> yeah okay. but we're old enough to remember the original millionaire the hardest part was getting to the seat because there were eight people yeah. and they had the fastest finger bs right and so you could get all the way there and never and compete then only one of the eight like and then once the person gets in the seat you really need them to bust out quick to get a second fastest finger out there or else but by the time i was doing it it was when it was on every day and meredith vieira was the host and that and if you got on you got on fastest finger was gone and so i knew i would i knew i would make some money i knew i'd do well and so, yeah, I always wanted to. And I still to this day want to be on Jeopardy. And I still, I think I would do well, but I can't get on it. So maybe I wouldn't do well. Did you have the whole like lifelines, like phone a friend? Did you have to like think really hard about that? Yeah. Who was your phone a friend? Oh, so this is very interesting for you guys. There's a connection here. So they, you can have three phone a friends and they're like, listen, we know everyone Googles. Just don't say Google this. So I had a buddy of mine from college who worked in a computer lab. And I was like, he's the one I'm definitely gonna call. He's gonna be sitting there ready. I was like, but they give me two more. I don't even remember who the second was. The third was, and this will blow your mind to me, the third was Connor Shell's mom. <laughs> what? Jesus Christ. That's a true story. So Connor is from Kansas City. From Kansas City. My mom and his dad worked together at Sprint for years. Connor and I knew each other my whole childhood. Okay. He's a good, he's 10 years older than me, maybe. Our families knew each other. One of the top executives at ESPN. Yeah. You're right. He used to basically run content for ESPN. He just left. He's a brilliant guy with brilliant, he and his sister both went to Harvard, a brilliant family, great family. And I, his mom is like a, like just a awesome lady, but also knows a bunch of random things. And so I was like, if it's, you know, if it's something that doesn't seem easily Googleable, she's a good person to call. So the biggest question, the big swing question when I was on there was you get to 16 and then instead of 32, the next threshold is 25. And if you get to 25,000, you're locked into 25. So I was at 16 and the question was, which country's currency used to be called a punt? And I was like, uh, I don't, I didn't want to call my Google guy. Cause I'm like, you type in punt. Oh yeah. Like you're going to get so many results that have nothing to do with this. Maybe you get it. And so I, I gave it, I called her and she misheard me. And she said, it's the pound. And I'm like, no, no, no. Which country? <laughs> and with, one second left. She said, Oh, I think it's Ireland. And then, Batman, out of time. As soon as she ended, I didn't even think about it. I, I, I just like blurted out Ireland final answer. Don't they coach you up on like you're supposed to draw out the tension on your answer? You can't just say final answer. You got to be like, Oh, well, this is a real tough one. She usually knows these things. <laughs> Right. So they tell you that I think I knew I wanted to answer it and try to get there because then you get a free roll on the next questions. The next question, you're at 25. So if you get it wrong, stay at 25. Um, I really wanted to get to the next one. 
and I knew if I thought about it, I might get conservative. And the one thing they do tell you they don't want you to do is if you ask the audience to then say, oh, that's what I was thinking. And I absolutely did that. That one was to this day, I, to this day, I have like a mental block on it. It was which travel company's mascot is a gnome. Travelocity. And I still don't know the answer. Okay, there you go. The Travelocity gnome. I used two lifelines on that. No! On Travelocity, the gnome! Yeah, that's true. What did you think? It was Orbitz? Like Expedia? Are you haunted by this experience? No, because I just know I would have blown it all anyway. No matter what it was. It was all going to zero. It could have been a million. It was going to zero. So (laughs) who should be haunted are the exotic dancers of Kansas City. It would have been, been way better if if that was your industry in early in mid two thousand seven to mid two thousand eight. Like you missed out on me not getting to the half million. Yeah, I'm imagining them at the senior PGA Tour version <laughs> of exotic dancing and just like, man, you should have been there in two thousand and seven. <laughs> oh, oh, what a <laughs> glorious time! They, they look off into the horizon as they remember. Oh my god, the money was just getting printed. <laughs> was all this legal? Absolutely fucking not. But we were making more money than we knew what to do with. Meredith Vieira. Really nice or kind of cold to you? Like, how does that work? No, no, no. Super nice. Like, crazy nice. And uh, and I think she thought she was – like, I think she she probably roots for everybody. But you, listen, I, I told her – she was like, so what do you do for a living? Like, I was like, I'm a radio host, part-time. I make $8 an hour. And, like, you know, she was really rooting for me. And so she was super happy for me. So she was really cool. Is there an age, like record book? How how young? I've got to be one of the youngest. I don't know. I mean, I was I was 22. So I've got to be one of the youngest people to to do it. I, I, I assume the minimum age is 18. So I, my guess is they've had some people younger than me, but not a bunch. But it's also been on for so long now. Like, who knows? What was the screening process like? I know you said it was a 90-second interview, but I mean, what they ask you? That was it. That's it? Is like- I'm telling you, they're like, tell us about yourself. Oh, wow. And I think they just hire people who have a good gut for like, can this person be? So the, they, the, the 30-question test is to make sure if you get on there, you have a good chance. Because they want people to get close to the million. They don't want morons, yeah. So once you get through that... Then I think it's weird. I think the barrier for entry on like social awkwardness or lack thereof is probably I, I certainly was not like the most charismatic person in the room. But once you once you remove all the people who don't do well enough on the test, like I think it'd be interesting if they did it in the reverse order. It probably the people would think it was unfair. But if it's like here's a hundred people in the room, we're gonna take the 17 because i think that's what was left in my room people who we think would be best on tv you could be an mc at a wedding and then and then just have whoever of you 17 does the best on the test you get to go the smartest as opposed to the way they do it which is they remove maybe some really charismatic people early because they didn't do well on the test and then it's, it's just me some goofy kid with a big nose and a shaved head who's like i'm a talk show host they're like sure you are buddy we'll put you on tv see how it works do you remember what some of the questions were on that test oh no i remember i thought i got a perfect score though i remember that i thought that test was crazy easy gotcha. like i i feel like the test was 
the questions they give you up to a thousand dollars when you watch it where it's like you should never miss these it felt like they were all of that variety which i bet they were i bet they were like types of questions you would use on the $500, a $1,000 level because they don't want anyone to walk away with nothing. So I think that it's like, you. Pr- my guess is you had to get at least 27 out of 30 on that test. I think I read somewhere, Nick, that you didn't want a sports question because of the fallout if you got it wrong. Oh, that's right. I forgot that I said that. That's right. That, um, that I was nervous about that. That I was ner- that I had said I was nervous that, that that's like a, the only way this ends poorly for me is if I, you know what I mean? If, if I screw up a, something I'm really supposed to know and the only thing in theory I'm really supposed to know is sports. And so that that was the only one with downside. I had totally forgotten. I talked about that. That's right. To like, I think my, the daily orange in Syracuse. You'll never work in this town again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it actually would have been a big deal, but in my head it would have been. When I think about if you had to phone a friend, do you want to go with someone that you know has just an incredible horizontal breadth of knowledge? Or do you want someone who fits your blind spots? Let me answer this one. You want his friend that works in a computer lab. I want <laughs> yeah. someone who knows how to, like, because here's the thing. This is what I've learned in my time on this planet. Not everyone knows how to Google. Not everyone knows how to Google. That's correct. So many people are just terrible at Googling. That is absolutely correct. Like, I give... My the guy I work with on First Things First, the statistician guy named Dusty. He's very good at his job for a number of reasons, but one of them is he's the only person I've ever worked with who knows how to Google as well as I do. And I, I it sounds like it's a weird thing to brag about, but like I, let me try to think of an example of the something is like there are sometimes it's like wait what was that movie with and you just have to know like you can easily find it if you know like the four key words you need and so like that's the key there that's right let me give you an example of this that happened to me yesterday uh i work on sirius xm nba radio with zach harper uh and a lot of our producers we never actually meet they're in new york in the in the main sirius xm headquarters and they're just connecting or you know or handling the board so we don't know what they look like a lot of them and so there's one of them, a guy named Warren, uh, who does our show. And Warren's great and everything. And I was on a Zoom yesterday, and I saw Warren for the first time. And I realized Warren's bald. Like, he's completely bald. Like, he was balding, apparently, and then just became the – he came home, right? He's a shaved head guy. And I looked at him, and I said, that dude looks like the scientist from the CIA in American Dad. But, like, I knew if I said that to Zach, who wasn't on the Zoom call, he wouldn't get it. So I had to find a picture of this dude. But <laughs> I, like, you can't just say scientist because, you know, there's, like, a million, CIA. You know, there's a million things. So, like, I literally Googled enough to figure out the episode he was in. Then YouTube searched that episode for the specific scene in which he appears in. And then I got him, screenshot it, send to Zach. I couldn't hand that. No, you can't hand it off. The ability to, like, scrape the internet efficiently and know how to do it is a specific skill. And if you have that skill, you can particularly, you know, you you guys know this. I did radio forever before I did TV. I did radio for 10 years before Fox hired me. And then up until recently, I was hosting a radio show on Sirius, on Mad Dog. You, you'd come on it. Right, yes. If you know how to quickly and efficiently Google anything and you're a radio host, 
if you want to, you can look like the smartest man in the world. It's a superpower. It's a superpower. <laughs> and credit to Dan Patrick, who I heard doing an interview like 15 years ago, who said one of his tricks was he would, if he had a very specific, obscure historical stat or reference, he would slightly get it wrong. Wrong, yes. So it looks like you're doing it from memory. Off the top of your head. So like if someone is like, this is the first time this has happened since the 1967 World Series, he would say on SportsCenter, he was like, and I feel like this hasn't happened since I don't know, the 68 series with and get most of it right, but a little wrong. And people are like, oh my God, he's a genius. And like, that was, that's not because he was Googling it. That's because someone handed it to him. But this is a trick of the trade for talk radio. Guilty. <laughs> Guilty as charged. I did this shit all the time on SportsCenter, on the jump. Like I would know the answer and I would purposely fuck up just enough so it would be believable that I just pulled this up there. Pause long enough, like, oh, God, I think it's... Well, it's, it's kind of like when people are like, well, it's not Blake Griffin. And then it's, it is like the Blake Griffin's in there. You don't want to say Blake Griffin. You're just like, ah, I, you know, I'm thinking it might be... Bla it's not Blake Griffin, though. And then it, it, it turns out it, it, Blake Griffin's one of them. I did, um, I did in 2008, I did the ESPN production research entrance exam oh wow. so it's a trivia sports trivia exam that in order to be the guy handing the note to dan patrick or scott van pelt or or kenny main you had to have a it was a trivia test sports trivia test but just like the um just like millionaire you could google it but the point is there's it's timed so the person sends you the test and it says it's 101 eastern you have to send this in my inbox by 159 eastern or else it's invalid so the point is you have to have enough knowledge in your head that you can bank in enough questions and efficiently answer the test yep that's a great way to do it it's a great it would be it, i think it'd be dumb to do to try to evaluate people in 2021 for a job like that without allowing them to google it but it's all about how quickly you can get that information it's all about like how the how efficient are you? And and I know this isn't what we're here to talk about, uh, but regardless, um, I it's also for me, and this shows my weird, I don't know, weirdness, I guess, OCD or whatever it is. I can't, I don't have the capability to watch somebody do that wrong. Like if my, like if one of my kids for school or if a coworker or my wife or anybody is like trying to look something up on the internet and they're not doing it, the right way i have like a physical need to take over <laughs> it's like for me it's the same way as if i'm at a, a nice restaurant and i'm hearing someone order this is a really weird thing about me if i'm hearing someone order and i and i hear the waiter and i'm like oh they're not there is something missed there yeah i have to step in like i can't not like it, the, it, that's a really, it, I don't know why I just revealed that, but there's like, I, those types of things, it, it gives me a physical discomfort when I know like, though, there's a right way to do this and you're not doing it right. And you should just let me do it. Just let me do it. That's crazy. Cause like there, there are certain things that I, I will have to step in, even if it's obnoxious for me to step in because I, my body just won't let me just sit there. Yep. That manifests sometimes like, I, I don't feel like explaining it. Just let me do it.
Right? You know how sometimes people are like, wait, why are we doing it this way? Just shut up. <laughs> I'm just going to get it done. You're going to be happy I stepped in here. I'm just going to get it done. Like, I, I notice typos on ESPN all the time or on TV. Like, I just catch typos amazingly well, right? And I'm, I'm, I think my mom gave me that gift. But, like, that was great for this job because at ESPN. Production researcher, you have to get that right. Like, how do you spell Mark Burley? You have to know that, right? How do you spell Dwayne Wade? Like that, like there was a section on the test um, that was like just all is this name spelled correctly? And you just oh. have to like be able to eye it and just be like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, yes, yes. Annika Sorenstein, like that's a name that you have to just get right. So the other thing that's tricky that unless you um unless you know the sport, you can't just like Google it, they would give you a box score. Nets game three against the San Antonio Spurs. Spurs. Here's the box score, Nick. Find out the three errors in the box score. From memory or by? No, just they give you a box score and they've photoshopped or just typed it out and fixed. And then you got to figure it out. Like a which of these two pictures is will show the differences. You've got to be like, wait, the three pointers don't add up. Don't add up. So there's or... got to be a mistake. Got it. Right. Memory would be would be very difficult. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, but that's cool. Cool. I wouldn't have liked to do that job full time, but that's the type of thing. Like the guy who ended up kind of being a jerk. I think Mike Rowe, like his old show, <laughs> Dirty yeah. Jobs. He moonlight on something. Yeah. There were a lot of those th- jobs he did where it's like, okay, I definitely would absolutely fail, be terrible, and not enjoy doing that full time. But doing it for a few days and kind of getting the experience of it, I think, is something that would be cool. I mean, a few years ago, we used to do this thing called True Hoop TV Live. It's like my favorite thing of the week. We mix it up with the audience. We do a live podcast, live show. And we get questions from the folks and feels like we should be doing that in 2021, right? I wish there was a way, but you know what? I think there is a way, Tom. I think there is a way. And it's not just you guys typing your questions like Neanderthals. No, <laughs> you can now use the voice notes function on the stereo app to leave us voice messages that we play live on air and then we answer them and we're doing this time all as we're doing what on our tvs we're watching what wednesday night nba we're watching the games we start at nine o'clock eastern 6 p.m pacific we'll watch the first round of the nationally televised game and then we'll watch a little bit of the next national game on espn so we're going to be watching nba games we're taking questions from the audience and you can interact with us live on the stereo apps what you're gonna have to do is download stereo follow me at haberstro amin you're at darth amin and then you'll be able to see when our next show is going to be we do a weekly show 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern on the stereo app it's haberstro live nba every week 9 p.m eastern you can ask us questions we'll do trivia and it's super fun to mix it up with people and answer your questions we've developed kind of a rapport with our audience the couple of couple people who show up you can be that person that we answer their question every week and it becomes a bit stereo app it's free of the app store the google marketplace wherever you get it and it's free to follow us man it's a free event to just come in and ask questions and kick it with us it's real cool, man. At Darth Amin, at Haberstro. You know you have questions based on the podcast and what we talked about today. You might disagree with our takes on who the MVP should be. Let it be known. Join Stereo. Follow us. Let's make some magic, shall we? Talk to you then.
let's get into some basketball here because we've established that we we are all kindred spirits on just history, sports knowledge, trivia, research, and all of that, right? What the fuck is your problem with Nikola Jokic? Wow, this was a really long buildup and buttering me up to get to the whole reason I'm here. <laughs> so here's my thing. I don't have a problem with Jokic. I really don't. And by the way, what I have learned, quick sidebar before I answer the question, <laughs> you know where Nikola Jokic is very popular? This is going to shock your audience. Serbia. And you know how I know it? Because the amount of Google translated oh, wow. very <laughs> aggressive DMs that have shown up in my Instagram inbox the last 96 hours, I mean, you, you, you are closer on the will go out on a limb with a take that will anger people's spectrum to me than Tom is because Tom's more measured and respected than either of us. Yeah. But you know what it's like to anger people. I've never been like rattled the serbian dms have rattled me. it's actually the serbians the serbians are yeah, at your door yeah i'm not gonna lie they've rattled me. like if i was ever considering like oh i'd take a trip to belgrade i will not actually no i will not um so okay but to answer the question here's my thing frustrating to me that i think there are some built-in hypocrisies about the mvp stuff that folks acknowledge, but then seemingly deny. Everyone seemed to acknowledge going into this year that Giannis's path to an MVP was going to be nearly impossible based on nothing that happened this year. Right. There's a fatigue, a voter fatigue. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just voter fatigue. It was because of how he did in the playoffs. Right. It was, it was, it was he had won it twice and done poorly in the playoffs. Everyone acknowledged that. And most people seem to think it was fair. At the same time, if I, at the beginning of the season, went on TV and said, you know who I think should be the league MVP, almost no matter what happens this year, LeBron James. You know why? Because of what he did in last year's playoffs, people would say that is ridiculous. That's why you don't have a vote. It's the exact same logic tree. It's that letting last year's postseason and who did or didn't win it when you think retroactively they should have affect this year's vote. So, like, we're okay with the Giannis thing, but the LeBron thing, I would be laughed out of, you know, fancy NBA Twitter, right? So then we get to other parts of this season that I think everyone acknowledges is an odd year. Not just the condensed schedule, the fact that Embiid was the huge favorite, and he got hurt. Then LeBron was the favorite, and he got hurt. Then Harden seemingly was about to become the favorite, and he got hurt. So... Jokic is now there, but I think most of the people who are standing the hardest for Jokic six weeks ago had him fourth because LeBron and Giannis, or I'm sorry, LeBron and Embiid and Harden weren't hurt. Some people feel differently about Harden because he certainly wasn't valuable for Houston, but you follow me. So we all acknowledge that it's an odd year, and we all acknowledge that leading candidates disqualify themselves not by play but by injury and i think with the Giannis argument i've proven that we have a history of the mvp not being totally siloed to this season i think you can make a really strong argument that chris paul's been the league's most valuable player and that's the argument i was trying to make i then got into a separate argument that turned anti nikola Jokic 
This is where your radio, just brilliance and just having uh, adjacent conversation that proves your initial premise that like you can take, it's not moving the goalpost quite much. It's not exactly that, but it's certainly- Come to the angle that fits my view. It's what it does. It's just, adjust, it's not moving them, but it's adjusting them. And it's like, oh, and I, it, it's a, like the transitive property of logic is kind of the way I build this bridge, but I believe it. And the other, but the other thing I said was, Listen, Nikola Jokic, I believe, is going to, if you look at the guys who have won MVP since 1980, I think he would be the worst player other than Rose, who I think you have to put, not having the worst season, but the worst historical player. Rose is, to me, in a special category because we know what happened there. And And people are like, oh, he's 26. I understand he's 26. I don't think he's going to go on this trajectory where he's going to be one of the 30 greatest players ever. And everyone damn near other than Steve Nash in the last 40 years is one of the 30 greatest players ever. Uh Oh, oh, now you're treading into a means territory here with Nash. Watch out. I'm sorry. What was that? 24 guys who have won MVP. I think Nash, probably his career was the least impressive of them all. I think he's probably like the four, you know, I don't know. I, I, who are the other candidates? Iverson, Russ, I think Iverson and Russ, I, I'd prefer them over Nash, but that's it's in the. But the point is, no one would prefer Nikola Jokic over any of them, and all and these folks. I tell me I'm wrong. I got, I got, explaining to me. Well, actually, somebody sent me. They're like, you know, Chris Paul's box score plus minus, or I don't. It wasn't box score plus minus. It was like his on-off numbers. They're the sixth best on his own team. Can I curse on this? I asked you, what the fuck is your problem with Nikola Jokic? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Um, <laughs> and someone sends me that. And the someone, by the way, is in smart NBA Twitter. We're like, I'm now on probation from. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Man. Do you not realize by sending me this stat, you're invalidating it? Guess what? Pick any stat you want. If it says Chris Paul's the sixth best son, the stat sucks. In, in, in the application does not work. If, if you type anything in and it spits out, you know what, Sarich, Sarich, more valuable, then it's then it's bad stat. Yeah, I'm guessing that's the net rating while he's on the floor. Chris Paul's net rating is worse than Sarich. Yeah. By the way, in general, I think has some good application. But if it spits out he's the sixth best son, then it must not. Nick, you know what it's like? It's like people who don't know how to Google. That that's the kind of information someone who doesn't know how to Google comes up with. Like, oh yeah, he's the sixth best son. How'd you know? Well, I Googled it and I found this. <laughs> I would like to see the Venn diagram of folks who were angriest at me about Nikola Jokic. Not the Venn diagram. I would like to see I would like to get the group of the folks who were angriest at me about Nikola Jokic and see over the last five years what their Russell Westbrook tweets say. Because I bet they think he sucks and I don't. I don't. What you're alleging is that there's like a nerdy NBA Twitter that that stands for Jokic, but thinks Russell Westbrook is a stat patter, empty calorie machine. Right. And by the way, I'm not a guy that says, I obviously don't think, oh, you have to have played to have an opinion on this stuff. I didn't play any of it at any level past high school. And I appreciate and know and value the numbers. But I think that it has to be a tapestry of it all. And it has to be, you've got to be able to do, you know, science and I and all of it. And one other thing on the Jokic thing, we had all decided to be the league MVP 
you must be on a top three seat. That was the rule since the voting has gone down this way, except for when Russ won. And the folks who love Jokic hate that MVP. They're like, oh, big round numbers, triple doubles, sucks. And so, okay, well, then win more games, buddy. Sorry, win more games. Win more games. How about that? How about that? Advanced stats Twitter. <laughs> win more games. You turned it to Stugats. <laughs> Why don't you win some games, buddy? You're turning it to Stugats right before our eyes. <laughs> Those takes are right. And all these people know, as much as they're standing for Jokic, that right now, this moment, in these playoffs, there's at least eight guys in the league. If their life were on the line in a game seven, they'd rather have than Jokic. They know it. And I just got problems having that guy win the MVP for a four seed. I don't think that's a wild, crazy opinion. All right. Well, I think a lot of the points you just made were completely valid. And I think I, when I see Jokic, I think there is a little bit of Steph Curry-ness. And that's actually what I said to you on Twitter that started this whole debate, um, you know, between you and I or coming onto the show is like the idea that Stephen Curry doesn't have a career that matches up at 26 years old or whenever it was that he won the MVP in 2014. Mm-hmm. If you had matched his career up with Steve Nash, Russell Westbrook, Allen Iverson, all of those people, it wouldn't match up. You'd be like, no, he, he is not a worthy MVP candidate based on his career up to date. And projecting Stephen Curry's career at age 26 to what he's done over the next six years, I don't think people would expect three championships and a scoring title at age 33 like he's doing right now. That's right. And so Jokic, it's it's like watching a movie, giving him an Oscar based on the first hour of the film. Just being like, yep, seen enough. This is going to be an Oscar. We don't know how the rest of this plays out. So projecting how Jokic's career is going to go is a little bit of a fool's errand because we don't know how that's going to go. Also got to take into account both Curry and uh, Jokic, what do they have in common? These were undervalued players for most of their careers until they got to the NBA. So they haven't followed the same beats and rhythms of heralded, you're going to be number one in high school. Heralded, you're number one in the draft. Heralded, you're going to, you are anointed as going to be one of the greats. So obviously when they reach that threshold, there is a level of, wait a second, you don't belong in here. I get the point. I don't know that I agree with it. The Denver Nuggets, let's say it was an 82 game season. We're going to win 67 games, as Steph Curry's team did his MVP year. I think it is a much stronger argument for Nikola Jokic. That's first of all. Steph, second of all, as far as pedigree, Steph wasn't as heralded as some guys. Still a top 10 pick, iconic collegiate career. Jokic, it's not his fault. He didn't have the collegiate career played overseas. But usually, guys, like the draft is not a perfect science. But there is a reason that Nikola Jokic is probably already going to be one of, if not the greatest second-round pick ever. I understand all those points, and I'm not saying they're bad ones, but I let me address them each in order. First is this. Steph won that MVP in large part because the Warriors won 67 games. And we have all agreed that if you have a great player on a great team, he's probably going to win the MVP. The, the Nuggets, again, I will remind folks, going to be the four seed it would look like that's first of all second of all they neither guy was a number one overall pick but you could see it a little more clearly with Steph he was a top 10 pick a lot of people thought he should have gone higher than he did he had the amazing run at Davidson and Jokic 
Jokic right now is what pacing to maybe be the greatest second round pick ever. And yet still, in my opinion, not be one of the 40 greatest players ever. The draft's not an exact science, but you usually don't miss by that degree. Maybe it's harder because it's overseas. But the point you said about the movie, I actually think validates my opinion. If we're an hour into a movie, it's like, oh, how good is this movie going to be? Well, I don't know. Tell me who directed it and who's in it. Oh, it's Scorsese with DiCaprio? My guess is it kicks ass. Oh, it's an indie film that not a lot of people have seen? Maybe it's going to be great. Or maybe it's maybe I can deduce from the information available to me, it probably has a ceiling. And I, the, I just don't, I, I watch as much basketball as is, is realistic to watch. I can absolutely appreciate the fact that Jokic has gotten way better than I thought he would, that Jokic has some great playoff performances. Here's the Stephen A. Look, I love him. I love this guy. No, you no. Know, I can admit. No disrespect. That great family. Not this past postseason, but the one before. So the last full regular, the non-bubble postseason. When he played, what, in the 11 overtime game? Yeah. And like when he, before he had gotten in shape, it was, that show, that was really impressive. And last year, he was really, really good in the playoffs. They also were, you know, a shot away from being home in round one. That's also true. And then, and they, and was he excellent against the Clippers? Yeah. Was, you know, or do you happen to be interviewing the only person in America who was dead right on the Clippers all year last year? And yet nobody wants to give me my flowers for that. (laughs) I got mocked. I'm a hater on this. That's tough for you because you have Jokic going against the Clippers in the same. You don't know which one to like. No, 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 no. I knew exactly which one to root for the Nuggets. I had money on the Nuggets. I had had a short on the Clippers to not make the conference finals that uh, I was mocked for all year. No, no, no. That was easy. And I and. I do think, am I holding some of Jokic's pedigree against him when I'm projecting out what the rest of his career is going to be? I will admit, uh, yes, I am. But I just think I'm going to be right. We can go through the list of MVPs. No, we're not going to play your by your rules, Nick. But not what they've done now. Who do you think he has a good chance of jumping? This is the point that I make when it comes to this. The MVP award, if you ask the NBA, hey, how am I supposed to vote for this? That's up to you. Some people think it's the best player on the best team. Some people say it's the guy who's having the most incredible statistical season. Some people say it's the guy that if I took him off this team, they'd be nowhere without him, right? There are a lot of different interpretations of which the NBA will neither confirm nor refute which one is accurate versus inaccurate on how people vote. The one constant in all of them in all of them, is the year, 2020, 2021. So when people tell me, to use your example, that Giannis can't win it, why? Because he flamed out in the playoffs last year. That ain't got nothing to do with this year. In the same way that uh, uh, all these other kind of factors about what we think he's going to do, where he's going to be five years from now, or where he was a year ago, three years ago, what he did, None of that is relevant to the 2020-2021 Most Valuable Player Award. All you can take is the evidence. It's kind of like being in court. The, the jury will disregard last year's playoffs. 
and history. The only element of outside of the purview of this season that I've ever taken in the context of voting is has this ever happened before in terms of games played? That's fair. As it regards to almost every major MVP candidate we have, they're all scheduled to play less than, I believe, 75% of the games that are available to them. The only MVP in the history of the NBA to play less than, I believe, even 78 or 79% of games played is Bill Walton in 77, and that's still super controversial. It's just nobody around remembers it anymore because we weren't alive for it. But the people, the folks who were around for it, they're like, that's bullshit that he won. I think everything you're saying is fair. And I think the reason I got so mad about the Jokic stuff is because I do think there is, and I'll use a charged term, a cabal Mm. of... NBA numbers Twitter that thinks their answer is the right answer. Mm -hmm. And you are dumb or a casual Mm -hmm. or don't understand it. And by the way, if it's an algorithm, then type it into a goddamn computer and just have that no voters. If, if, if it's that simple... Then the, the winner in PER should be the MVP. If the winner in PER is one like the last seven, do it that way. But if, you, if you're going to have human beings vote on it, and it, right now, I would argue, if you're talking of modern NBA, the great, because, you know, if you t- list out all the greatest players ever, from LeBron to wherever, the best player in my list to not have a league MVP is Isaiah Thomas. Yes. And I am now looking at the same thing happened to Chris Paul. It's like, oh, he never had the counting numbers. Tom's a Wake Forest guy, so now you're like speaking his language. I, I went to college with CP. So I, I have been very mindful of the fact that people will say you're biased because, look, I got Wake Forest stuff. At. The reason why Muggsy Bogues back here is he's an awesome story, awesome NBA player. He also went to Wake. And Tim Duncan. So did the other guy, I'm about to say. So did the other guy, right? So I, I'm very mindful and I'm careful about standing for Chris Paul because there's baggage there of mindful. Hey man, you guys went to the same college, which is like you and Patrick Mahomes. It's different, but it's similar in that you will be uh, accused of being biased and you can't think straight when it comes to Chris. Paul. So when I hear your Chris Paul take, I'm like, wow, it's been very long time in my career to hear someone go way over the top on Chris Paul because it just has never happened for the same reasons you talk about, which is that, he hasn't won a title. He hasn't won an MVP. And so it's very rare that you get Chris Paul stands on NBA Twitter. I learned a lot from talking to Isaiah Thomas, the original Isaiah Thomas, talking to him off the air when he would, he because he, he knew that I, I was born in 84. So while I've kind of tried to consume as much NBA history as I possibly could, I didn't get to live it. And even the people who lived it, you couldn't really watch every game. Like, you can't consume it the way you can now. And he was like, Nick, I knew how we needed to win. He's like, we had to be the best defense in basketball. What that meant was I needed my guys to give everything they had on that end. The way to get them to do that was in part me understanding when they had to get a touch. I understood it might not be 
the best possession for us on offense. But I got holistically what we needed. And in the biggest spots, in the biggest games, I knew need be I can do it. And then when I was trying to, because I was trying to put together this project, whether it was a book or a podcast series, I'm not sure, the 50 greatest players of the last 50 years. So Kareem to now, essentially. Like with respect to Russell and Wilt and us, like remove those guys and just go from Kareem's rookie year to now, who's the top 50. And a big part of that for me was in addition to watching as much as I could, going through old playoff game box scores and playoff game logs. And what you would see with Isaiah is Isaiah would just consistently pop. Like I've got it here, not to turn this into a numbers thing, but it's like his first playoff series ever an elimination game against the Knicks, 35 and 12. You know, the next year, an elimination in an elimination game against the Celtics, 37, 12, and 9. Like he always had that, he could always get to the get there, but it wasn't what was best for his team. And I was like, oh, okay. That is like, you've got to bake that in when you're like, oh, they went to three straight finals. They probably should have won three straight titles. They did win two straight. They went up against these stacked teams. His best teammate was young Dennis Rodman and Joe Dumars. Like there's not another, I think Rodman's an all-timer, but he didn't have anything close to a super team. And they just won, by the way, and he won in college. It's like, oh, okay. So I can't just be like, guy never won an MVP, never won a scoring title. His career averages are this. Like, what? It, no, they won. And he was the reason. And I understand with Chris Paul, it seems a little hollow. It's like, hey, Nick, guess what? They haven't won. Like, that's the knock on him. And I get, I understand that. I just don't think it's right. And so I think that when you look at he, everywhere he went, they immediately had their best season in essentially franchise history. The moment he walks in the door, it's like, it's, it's a, it's not a, it's not a fluke. And I'd like to give him his flowers. And I'm mad at all these people on Instagram now, too. So you, you're willing to concede that this Chris Paul campaign that you are leading, that you are, you got the Chris Paul flag, you're running through the streets of NBA Twitter and saying, come with me, join up on team Chris Paul. A lot of this is that on that flag, it's kind of weathered. It's that the flag, your lifetime contributions incorporated into your argument is that we need to give this guy his flowers. And if it's not this season, then when the hell were you going to be able to give him that NBA? I will admit, of course, it's partially that. It is also, I think, the lifetime of achievement validates what we're seeing now. People are like, maybe Booker just got way better. It's like, well, that might be a stronger argument if we didn't just see this happen in OKC and see it happen in Houston and see it happen with the Clippers and see it happen. Like it's, it, and so I, it's not a lifetime achievement award per se, but I am using his lifetime of achievement as like my, that is my corroborating evidence that he is the reason they went from 26 and 39 before the bubble to maybe the best record in the entire NBA. And the other part of it is this is an, there is to me, the reason I think people get so angry at my uh, Chris Paul opinion is it is being presented and the voting is going to prove out, I think in part because of hive mind to a degree, that there is a no-brainer this year. It's Nikola Jokic. And I would just say, if he's a no-brainer, 
then why was he in fourth place before everybody got hurt? Both of those things can be true. I feel like you're conflating it. If nobody gets hurt, he probably doesn't win MVP. But the, the point is, everybody got hurt. And this is baked in. So, uh, again, Steph Curry was not considered uh, all-time great when he came into the league. And for several years in the league, wasn't considered an all-time great. So, by the premise of he is not an all-time great, we're going to keep Steph Curry down on the pecking order until he just wows us and wins 67 games and sets all every record in the record books. Nick Jokic has the same problem, which is he doesn't have the baked in understanding that he is the best of his class, number one pick, one uh, Naismith player of the year in college and was outrageously talented coming into the league. So he has that barrier to entry where we already know that LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and James Harden have the bona fides to be one, two, and three on that list. And Jokic, we're still waiting for his crowning moment, which is this season, because he came out of the left field. Like we, He didn't have the same pedigree as those other players. So I think the fact that he comes in at fourth with those three other more credentialed candidates is evidence that we are sleeping on this guy, just like we, step, we slept on Steph. Yeah. Okay, and here's what I think. In a very odd year, without any great team, except for if you think the Nets are out west, I mean, out east, pardon me. If you are a clear, no doubt MVP, the expectation should be, well, I, I mean, you are getting to the finals, right? And nobody thinks the Nuggets are. Because as much as everybody loves Jokic, they don't think he's good enough. They don't. They don't think he's good enough. Oh, it's a coronation. It's this. This is his moment. This ain't Steph's 67-win season. They won the title, and people thought they would win the title because you watch them, you're like, holy, how's anyone beating them? Now, LeBron almost did it, but there's no super team. It's like, okay, it's unfair because you got to get through all these. No, you don't. You don't. But I don't think people would be shocked if they lost to Dallas. And if they do lose to Dallas, you know why? It'll be because Dallas had the best player on the court. Do you think by virtue of that same argument that Chris Paul, everyone is – thinks should be in the finals or expected to go to the finals and therefore should be MVP. No, I think that if you have a no-brainer obvious MVP, then the guy should at least, there should be people picking them to go to the finals. If you're making the argument I'm making, which is it's a weird year, the top three candidates all got hurt. This guy, I, I am baking in a little lifetime, plus the best record, plus all of it, then I think it's different. I am not making the argument you're an idiot if you vote for Nikola Jokic. The Jokic voters are saying I'm an idiot. And by the way, Chris Paul's not even going to be on their ballots a lot of them. I, I, I gave Kevin O'Connor a hard time. Kevin O'Connor released his ballot yesterday. Chris Paul's not on it. He's not on the ballot. Like, okay. Like, that's fine. There were five guys more valuable than Chris Paul this year. Then I guess it was just the Suns just all came together. And won this season. Who's your vote? Hypothetically, we gave you the ballot. No, give me the five. Give me the five. Oh, give you my five? Yeah, your ballot. Chris Paul won. Jokic two. Wow. Okay. This is upsetting to the narrative, though. Yeah. It's like, that you have Jokic two. I feel like. Why is it upsetting? You're right. Everyone says I hate him. It's, it's terrible. I want to make sure I'm consistent here because I actually just sent this to. Here's mine. Just to give you some time here. Here's mine. I mean, Jokic. Filibuster. Curry, I got Steph two. You got Steph two, wow. Embiid three, Giannis four, and Dame five. I don't have Chris Paul in my top five this year. Yeah, I know. A lot of people aren't. 
it, it's upsetting. Wait, Tom, are you doing something like some reverse, like uh, just to prove that I'm not in the tank for Chris Paul? I'm going to. No, I, when I last submitted it for the show and I reserved the right to adjust, season's not over. I had CB3, Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, Steph. I had Steph five. And then I had a guy who I thought would have made it, but then he stopped playing again was Kawhi. Like Kawhi was like, oh, he's not going to miss a quarter of the year, but he is. Like now, right or wrong, like he's going to miss a lot of time. Uh, LeBron obviously has fallen way down it. And who's the one? Oh, Luca. I had Luca like is, you know, in the also receiving votes category. And Dame, I think, would have been. I did an eight-man list. Luca was eighth. If I would have done nine, Dame would have been ninth. My Dame take is that his clutch performance is kind of like Russell Westbrook in that 2017 MVP year where his he, his clutch performance is outrageous. It's one of the best we've seen in a very long time. His clutch win percentage, win probability added is outrageous. If you look at his field goal attempts and his shooting percentages and close games, it's ridiculous. And so a lot of the high leverage moments he has come up huge compared to the rest of the candidates so i'm bumping him up based on that and secondly chris paul has had an amazing season i think um hugely underrated throughout his entire career because he does something that i think people don't appreciate enough because it's not sexy it's he takes such good care of the ball yes never turns the ball over that matters and it's so hard to appreciate the fact that every time he has the ball or his team has the ball they're just going to get a really high floor on that possession it's not going to be a disaster. He's probably on borderline with Dame as in the five or six slot on my MVP ballot, which is fake. I don't have one this year. Um, but then also, like, I think the argument that you have, which I'm not throwing out as ridiculous, I'm just saying the context of look at what the Suns were last year and look at what they are now, and voila, Chris Paul happens, and this is what happens, right? My thing is we saw what they did in the bubble. DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton missed a gazillion games, but when he did play, they were 20 and 18 last year. So when they did have DeAndre Ayton as their starting center and they didn't have depth at that position, maybe that's more of the boost that they needed this year. Um, having the legit DeAndre Ayton be a great center, then it is totally 100% Chris Paul. And by the way, Totally agreed. Chris Paul is underrated throughout his NBA career. I just don't think he is the MVP. I don't understand how you could separate DeAndre Ayton's improvement from Chris Paul's arrival. If you're going to credit, oh, it's because DeAndre Ayton's finally come. Like, that's not a coincidence. Ask uh, DeAndre Jordan. Ask uh, Tyson Chandler. Ask uh, Clint, Clint Capella. Capella. Right? Like, it, the, the list of guys who miraculously at center played so much better when they played with Chris Paul is, is long and illustrious. And so, like I, to me, I look at the Suns' improvement, and people point to the eight. They were eight and zero in the bubble. Me and Zach like running with this joke. Yeah, there was like twenty six and thirty nine outside of the bubble. Like we we don't get to ignore the things that happened for the majority of the year for what happened in the span of two weeks. So to me, I see the Suns' improvement. Is this some incremental improvement from where they were last year in terms of understanding what Monty wants and all that? But the the reality is, the vast majority of it is. It's Chris Paul. It's a guy that they've never had before in terms of being able to walk in the locker room and command respect beyond just his on-court technical proficiency. 
is the ability to walk in a locker room, command respect, tell people you're full of shit, and nobody's going to say shit because they know that's a Hall of Famer talking. Not Ricky Rubio, not a rookie, not someone who's like oh, past his prime. It's a real-life Hall of Famer who right now is that damn good. And a guy who, if you're a gambler and you have bet against the Suns, terrifies you in the final five minutes of games absolutely strikes the fear of God in you that he is going to get the right possession, the right call, the right everything. And that, to me, that's something. I don't, can I ask you guys an all NBA question? Um, there's, to me, there's one semi-interesting all NBA question and then one super interesting one. I think almost everyone's going to agree on five of the six forwards. I think everyone's going to agree in some order or another Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron, Paul George, and then it gets interesting, right? The final forward spots, there's three of them. I had Zion Randall for third team. I think some people would put Jimmy Butler ahead of one of them. Or do you think those are basically the six forwards? The problem is the league has gone super cowardly with the flexibility of the positions. They've, they've allowed Embiid to be classified as a forward center despite he's only played 10 minutes at forward <laughs> all year long. What with Dwight? Zero with Tony Bradley. He's played 10 minutes at forward all year long, yet they designate him as a forward center. Uh, they called everybody in their mama guard forward. All those guys you just named are all listed as guard forwards. Luca, all of them. So to me, it, it's it's hard to kind of have this conversation after the, you know this revelation last week because at this point, it's like they want to be positionless, but they're too cowardly to go full-on positionless. If we do it by true positions, if we go by like what how we would designate them, right. the final two guard spots is going to be a fight to the death. Because if, if, if at the very least you guys can put let CB3 get one of the all-NBA spots, you have Steph, CB3, Luka, and Dane, mm-hmm. to me, locked in. Yep. And then Kyrie, Russ... Beal, Booker. Harden. Harden is in the conversation. I don't know if he played enough. Mitchell and Tatum. That, to me, is the most interesting. We know he's going to win MVP. We know he's going to, like, I think those last guard spots are fascinating. Dude, Utah will burn if Donovan Mitchell gets shut out of all NBA. I think he's going to. They're already salty. Yeah, the injury, late season injury does not help. And the fact that they've basically maintain their number one seed without and i think the only brooklyn net who gets on the team is Kyrie, and i think that's fair i don't know if Kyrie makes it harden's played 34 games for him obviously kd can't get it harden has played enough to me i mean if he's played 42 games and lebron's played 43 and you're saying harden doesn't deserve to be on all nba but lebron does that doesn't seem consistent first of all i think guards way harder than forward because there's so many more guys and the reason I said he's played 34 games with Brooklyn is, are we making the argument? His eight games in Houston, he was an all-NBA caliber player. I would I would argue he had negative value. <laughs> like, it actually, he started, he didn't start at zero. He started, like, behind the starting line and then had to zoom past it. Like, I, I think Kyrie, I'm fine with the, the, the vote for Harden. I would say Kyrie and Russ are the two guys who get it. But that's another question. Russ or Beal or neither one of them? I don't know. That's that's a the last All NBA guard spots. By the way, Utah can be mad if Donovan Mitchell doesn't get it. It's good for them, right? 
because it screws him out of the supermax. Yeah, saves him money. <laughs> it's actually good for Utah. That's a great point. Not good for Donovan. All right, let's talk Steph for a sec. Is that ridiculous that I have him number two in your opinion, Nick? For MVP? Yeah. No, because, you know, I'm Neanderthal basketball guy, and so <laughs> wins matter to me. And they have the they have a record when he plays of a, of a good team. Not a great team, a good team, and it's a weird year. 35 and 26. Right. Their overall record says, wait, how can you have him? But that's because they're what, like one and eight without him? One and seven, and they one of those losses was a 53-point loss at the hands of a, yeah. the Toronto Raptors. The Tampa, Sorry, the Tampa Raptors, yes. I also think that some of the rules that apply, this is going to sound arbitrary by me. I have no problem with him at two. I would have a huge problem with him at one because they're the even though because they're the ninth seed like i do think that you can have a different threshold for him being on the ballot than the league mvp potentially not qualifying for the playoffs like that to me is that shouldn't happen in the nba that can keep that to baseball Baseball. Like, congrats, Trout. Stick to baseball, you bums. <laughs> Here's a crazy stat that I, I found out yesterday, and it's it's absurd. By the way, Steph beat the, the Jazz last night. Granted, they didn't have their backcourt. But um, this stat that I pulled up yesterday was Stephen Curry and Draymond on the floor. No Wiseman, no Oubre. So that's 653 minutes that they've played without those two guys who don't play well in their system. When Steph and Draymond are on the floor, and usually that's with Wiggs, um, Bays, and Looney, right? When they're with their Golden State Warriors veterans, Steph Curry and Draymond, they outscore opponents by 17 points for 100 possessions. 17! So if you want to say Steph Curry does not belong in the MVP conversation because look at their record, I'm, I'm like, I get it. But also understand when they incorporated players that knew how to play with Steph. And maybe you say, well, that's a bug of Steph is that if you need certain players to play on the floor for him to be, for the team to be great, then what does that say about Steph? Just because he's not on the MVP ballot doesn't mean he fucking sucks, man. We need to let go of this. Like, if I don't put him on my ballot, that means I think he's shit. Totally agree. I think Steph is shit. I think he's going to finish higher than Chris Paul. I think Steph has a legitimate chance at a top three finish. Very legit. I think people love what Steph's done this year. What you, The stat you just said theoretically should scare the Lakers because why would Kerr not just have the, that unit play 40 minutes? And Utah. Utah last night. Like If we're going to say that Utah and the Warriors play in the, in the first round or if the Lakers... Oh, I'm, I was saying scare the Lakers to the play-in. I'm talking about a single game. Yeah. I'm talking about like in a one-off. Forget a series, like, because I don't know if you can play him like that. Honestly, if I'm the Lakers, I'm not stressed about the playing. Me neither. If I'm the Lakers, I prefer it. Honestly, if you win, you get to go play and you play the Suns. Give me the Suns. Give me the team that's never been there before. Give me the team of guys who have never played 500 basketball before, let alone playoff basketball. The question is this, really. Where are the Clippers going to finish? If the Clippers finish as the four then obviously the Lakers would rather get the six. But if the Clippers finish as the three and LeBron knows I'm going to need 10 days to really ramp up, I don't think you want to play in round one, the team that was built with the express purpose of stopping you. Like that is the one thing the Clippers, they totally forgot the Lakers have Anthony Davis, but they have 
they have three guys that can credibly guard LeBron. And so like, that's the, so if I'm the Lakers and you tell me, I I know the NBA is going to do a weird thing with the schedule, but let's just pretend for a moment that the Lakers know at halftime of their final game of the year. If we win, we're the six and play the Clippers. If we lose, we're the seven and we're in the play-in game. I think it's better for them to lose. I think so too. I I think they're better off being in the opposite bracket. Uh, And and I think there's, there's, again, there's a couple of reasons there because like, I don't think if healthy, if those guys are going to play that either the Suns or the Jazz give them problems. I really don't. I just think if LeBron and AD are on the floor, it's not going to be a problem. And, and it's and in a weird way, it's unfair to those teams. You work so hard to be excellent, the best of the best. It's why all these leagues should go to drafting your playoff opponent. Boom! Yes! Boom! Finally! An ally! Yes! Nick Wright! An ally! Yes! That's a true reward. Yeah! I don't want to play them. And it would cause so much drama. Of course. And, by the way, it also would. The year the Rockets won 65 games, if you remember, at the very end of that regular season, Steph got dinged because he missed the beginning of the playoffs. How amazing would it be if the 65-win Rockets were like, we pick them. I pick you. Should have taken the regular season a little more seriously, fellas. But we are t- we know we got to go through you at some point. We'll play you right now. Because mm-hmm. the, the system I've always said is, the one seed gets to pick who they want to play from five of through five through eight through eight. Yeah, you like anybody, anybody. I'll play two in the first round. The Nets have been so laissez faire and casual, like, oh, every loss is good for us because we're learning and all these things. And all of a sudden, like Philly obviously wouldn't pick them in round one. There's no question about right. it. Right. But let's say Harden comes back this week and like retweets his hamstrings. Like, ah, it's going to be another two weeks. Is there a chance Milwaukee says, you know what? Screw it. Let's go. We just waxed them twice. I don't, I, in, in the East, they probably wouldn't because there's such an easier route. But it just, my point is, it would make, it would make teams care more about the regular season. Within that vein, I would say that you want to give incentive to people being higher seeds. What I mean by that is if the one seed picks the two seed, well, then what's the reward of being a two seed? That's true. Like there should be an, a reward for being a two seed. So I should get that. Say, like in that case, the three seed gets a privilege that I didn't get as the two seed. Your system's probably better, but it's still. <laughs> I like the spice. Yes. The ability to pick the opponent, though, is the key part here. Yes. Of not getting screwed by a team that is the Lakers situation. A team that is way better than a seven seed or maybe even going to end up the eight seed. I don't think they will. And then, so yeah, I, I love that idea. Hey, Nick, before you go, I wanted to ask, what did you think when you got dunked on on Twitter by Vooch? Uh, <laughs> uh, can I tell you, can I tell you what I wrote? I, this is cathartic to me. I write response tweets and I save them as drafts and I don't send them. And if my drafts ever, like, you know how sometimes people's drafts just start sending, I will be just ruined. I should probably delete them. (laughs) But I wrote a response because he wrote, he's like, wow, they really let anybody talk on TV these days or something. Yeah, something like that. I quote tweeted it and and wrote, yep, the threshold for talking on TV is evidently only slightly lower 
than the threshold of being a two-time All-Star. And then I was going to do the same thing I did with Jokic, the worst MVPs list, worst two-time All-Stars ever list. But then I was like, man, people are going to think I'm like actually anti-Serbian biased. Like I can't like all of a sudden go after Vucevic and Jokic. Oh. Like I can't do it. You'll never set foot in the Balkans again. But I had I had another version. I was like the threshold for talking on to like it's only slightly higher than who someone will give up a first round pick for evidently because that's really worked out. But I said I'll take the high road. These are your nominal brethren. What do you mean, Nicola? Aren't you Nicola uh, Wright? Oh, I'm Nicholas Wright. That's true. That's a fair point. Hey, these guys should be your your brethren. I also didn't know to bring us full circle. I should that that was the Vucevic tweet was the canary in the coal mine of the Instagram DMs I was going to get of people threatening me and telling me to never come to Eastern Europe. I should have known. You guys remember a couple of weeks ago, someone it went viral the the fight of all the Joshes. Yes, we need to do it with all the Knicks. <laughs> Nick Wright, Nick Vucevic, Nick Jokic. Everybody, Nick, Nick, you're in. I would say I'm a huge, huge underdog, but I also stand by that I, that when I was really getting upset on Twitter that day on the Jokic stuff, I stand by my proclamation that I would wager any amount of money that I have a higher measured vertical leap than the man who's going to win 2021 NBA MVP. And that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen, America. We let you down. Amazing. <laughs> oh, man, I feel like we could go for another two hours on the NBA. Nick, this was awesome, man. We should do it again. I'll come on during the playoffs if you want. This was a ton of fun. Awesome. We'll take another tour of your of your set there. We'll see what they got for the finals or what, what kind of NBA playoff set you're going to have. I have so much more I want to discuss with you, that the hairstyle and, and being bald on TV and then, and then the, the hair. You give me inspiration that I could go that route one time. Next time I come on. We won't do 30-minute deep dive into who wants to be a millionaire and my gambling. And instead, we'll talk about your hair, my hair, Amin's hair. Maybe we can get a fourth. Maybe we can get Bomani in on this, see what his, talk to him, and we can do it all. And I'm excited. And I'm excited to watch this year's NBA MVP award be given out in a hallway somewhere because the guy who won it is no longer in the play. You talking about Chris Paul or are you talking about? Oh my god! Just, oh, just let it go. Oh my god! I'll talk to you guys later.